it's a big drop off in attendance and a little bit of a, a wake up call, I think. Just that last little finish is something that makes a huge difference. I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. And, you know, I started crying. Um, I said, Dad, I'm a big leaguer. Welcome to Digging In with JP and Sebia. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne. And I'm actually really, I'm actually, I'm always excited about our guests, but I'm really excited about this guest for this episode because it's Trent Thornton who's coming up on his major league debut. And I think it's really cool to talk to a guy like just a couple days out from the biggest moment of his life to date. Dude, I, and I think he honestly, for me, how under control he was. I, you know, he, he seemed like he was calm, which obviously day of is going to be different, but I like that it gives him a few days beforehand to kind of see all the stuff and see, you know, the life of the major league game and how, how it, he can expect, you know, to start to go as far as preparation and all the different things that come to the table. But honestly, he was a really fun guest, like an actual, like, not that they're not all of them are fun, but he was a lot more amusing than I thought he would, that any, that he would be. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you meet him and within, you know, five minutes, he's a guy that you're pulling for. Just yeah, as, automatic Just fan. as a dude. And, uh, you know, he's going to be coming up on Sunday. He's going to be really interesting to watch. He's going to be an entertaining guy just because he's got a wide repertoire. He throws hard. He's got the big curveball. And he's got the funky delivery that I think fans are going to quickly fall in love with. And and the goggle-to-goggle connection, which yeah, could, be, could be – the only one in the league. And then he gets into some other stuff that you guys will be very surprised, which I think it's going to be very, very fun to, to fans, for fans to know the little the quirks, the little quirks of, of people because people just think, you know, hey, this guy's a major league baseball player, this or that. But people are into some different things. So speaking of fans, uh, there weren't as many fans here on opening day as we normally get here in Toronto. It was the lowest attendance since 2000, so we're talking 19 years ago. That's actually, and I'm going to, I guess, date myself in either you know old or young, depending on what the listener is, but that was kind of the first season I remember as a kid where I really paid attention to Blue Jays. I was nine years old uh, when the Blue Jays were playing in 2000. That was a great team, actually, a great team to watch. People should have come out. There are seven guys who hit 20 dingers for that team. But as we said, it's a big drop-off in attendance and a little bit of a, a wake-up call, I think, for the Blue Jays in terms of the fact that this is a team that people in the city don't know. Like, they came out... Pilar got the huge fan applause, Smoke a little bit, Gritchick a little bit. But by and large, the fans were kind of feeling this team out for the first time. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it is, it, look, it just shows where it's at, right? It, it's, a, it's a team that people think that it's not going to do very well. The, the, you know, the rankings or ratings or whatever you want to call them, they say the predictions, they say that they're not going to do well. So fans are also not happy with you know, some of the things that were done or haven't been done. And so at the end of the day, it is what it is. Now, opening day is usually a sellout. I was a part of every opening day a part yeah, of. You, I was a, you sold it out every time. I was every a part. Every JP opening no, day. No, not me, out. but I know, that, I know that every time that I was on the team, as far as I came as a player that I was here, it was always a sellout, right? And we didn't have great teams. We, we had okay teams, but we didn't have great teams. And so that's a little bit... Uh, you know, it's it's it sucks, right? Like again, I think that that you still want to sell it out opening day, but it kind of shows where it's at. But you're right. Yesterday, uh, you know, during the game and opening day, uh, I was walking around doing different things. I was in I was in 
uh, different suites. And at the end of the day, these guys, I'd ask, hey, who's your fan or who's your who's your favorite player? And it was like, I don't know who my favorite player is. Like, what do you mean? Who's your like, well, we we need to get to know these guys more. Right. And so that's a cool thing because I think that it's going to be fun for people and fans to grow with these players. But it's also, like you said, it's a weird thing because it, you come to the ballpark and you're like, I don't know who I like. Yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite an anonymous team at this point. Like, There's no two ways about it. And when Vladdy Jr. comes up, you're going to get some buzz for that. But if you think about the Toronto sports scene right now, the Maple Leafs are headed towards the playoffs. I know that they're scuffling right now, but that's a team people are really excited about. The Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, obviously, a team that could potentially make some moves in the playoffs. And I think that the Blue Jays are going to fall by the wayside a little bit more so even than I think than they realize. I think they probably expected they were going to sell out opening day because they always sell out opening day. And, you know, it's one game, and what if they get a little bit hot and a couple guys, you know, really start performing, then maybe fans are going to tune in. But I think that you might see especially early in the season while these other sports are going on just a little bit less support for this club than we're traditionally used to seeing even even like you said like the clubs you played for that were not playoff teams that were not amazing teams we're going to see even I think less support even than those teams which weren't marketably better I mean some of them were but not that this let me put it this way because I've failed to get around this point about four different times this is not the worst team that's been here. You know what I mean? We've had teams that are about this caliber before that had more buzz. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's not the, the teams before, though, didn't have this this young core of guys, right? Like, the reason why people think that they're not good is because they're so young and they're inexperienced, right? They don't have a lot of quote-unquote players that are, you know, stars or whatever, but it's also an opportunity. These guys are good players. Anyone, obviously, in the major league is good, but they'll continue if they go out there and they play and they're doing well people will come right the old if you build it they will come that's that's true but until i think that basketball and hockey are done i think for sure it's an uphill battle because the raptors are doing awesome the leafs are doing well like everyone's doing well so now before when i was here we weren't doing well, but other teams weren't doing well. So when we'd come to town, everyone was like, yes, baseball's starting. And so now we have something to look forward to because our other teams haven't been playing well. But it's, 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 it's just different now. It is completely different, and they're, they're battling with those, with those guys. But I think at, this, at the end of the day, people will get, they'll get the itch. They'll come around a little bit more just like I think. At, dude, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of tickets sold until the last five days before opening day. And all of a sudden – they got the itch, and there was over. I think they they announced like over forty thousand yesterday, right? So, it was well under that ticket sales a week before. So, I think as the season starts, it'll start happening where people, more people, will come around. And you're gonna get the weather is gonna improve, and you're gonna get more. Like yesterday was a miserable day. I think if it had been a really nice day, that might have played a factor as well. But in very JP fashion, let's talk about something really positive. Strone was outstanding. On opening day, seven innings, no runs. He never managed that last year. Seven strikeouts. He only did that twice in all of last year. And the breaking ball for me was what really stood out. It was really nasty. He had the tight slider, and then he had a bit more of a looping one. Jansen, after the game, called it like a a curveball thrown like a slider. I think even he wasn't exactly 100% on what it was. But whatever it was, it was working. So what did you see from Stroman and him taking that next step? 
Well, one, I think that honestly, you know, last year he was he was truly battling stuff. I mean, I think he's he's healthy, right? He looked his stuff, the sharpness looked like it was back. And that's something for me that's a big deal because and what I mean by sharpness back is if you're not if your pitches don't have that last little bite to it, that's the difference between a base hit, a ground ball, a home run, or a strikeout, right? Just that last little finish is something that makes a huge difference. So I think for me, that was what I was excited to see. Listen, he's got A-plus stuff. He's shown it before. He's That's why he's an opening day starter, and that's why he's one of the best starters in the league. But that was the biggest difference that I saw was the sharpness of his, the finish of his pitches. That last little bit before the plate, instead of it dropping that, that slider at the end, finishing, you know, uh, let's say at, at seven inches, it was finishing at nine inches. And just those two little inches make a difference for a swing and miss and success. And also with Stroman, it's always going to be a little bit about his confident level, his attitude that he brings to it. And after the game, he was just that vintage Stroman. He said, like, I was doing whatever I wanted out there. And when he's feeling himself that way, it really does seem to make a difference for him because he's like some of those guys are more even keel, but he kind of rides that roller coaster. And when it's high, I think it really does play into the way that he pitches. And you're never going to be able to quantify that. Like when Stroman has 97% confidence, his slider has two more inches. But for whatever reason, he does seem to be one of those guys where that has an effect on the way he pitches. Well, he's an emotional guy, right? It's like anything, though. If you, as a person, when you look, you feel like you look good. You look in the mirror and before you go out, like the law of attractiveness right like it's it's you go out there you feel good about yourself people are going to gravitate to that you feel good i mean i think that at the end of the day that's that's something for him when he's feeling himself out there he is at the top of his game he was doing the little shimmy he he finished an inning he did a little shoulder shimmy that's what works for him like anybody else when you feel good about yourself you're confident when you're going out there and you're feeling good about what you're doing you're confident and again Last year, I think that he wasn't fully there, which is why also it's tough to go out there when you know that you're not fully con- that you're not healthy and, and 100% there and still try to have those same actions. It, it was tough, but obviously opening day, it's just one start, but it's super encouraging to see how he went out there, how he handled the business, how his finishes of his, his pitches were finishing at the plate and how much movement, man. This guy, what he can do to a baseball is insane. And it'll only help, at the end of the day, it'll help him if either the Jays want to keep him long-term and if he's part of that long-term plan, or he's going to be a trade chip. Because if he does well, you have to give a lot of stuff up to get Marcus Stroman. Yeah, whichever way it goes, the Blue Jays need Stroman to have a good year, whether it's about what they get in a trade or whether it's about building a rotation around him in the future. They need that bounce back from him. He looked like that bounce back was imminent. But I want to ask you, like you said, about the one start thing because it's easy to see it and kind of be blown away and be like, he's back. When you're a catcher and you're sitting back there, do you ever have a pitcher who throws his first start and you're like, oh, this guy's in for a big year, and then maybe that ends up being right or wrong? That kind of first impression of the season, is that something that sticks with you as a catcher and has that played out before or the other way? You've caught someone, it's like their first start of the year, and you're like, ooh, I don't know about their stuff. No, I think I think it doesn't just happen on opening day, right? I think it happens from spring training. It, you you can you catch enough guys, and you're I mean you've been back there long enough at the at the point when you're in the major leagues that 
you know when somebody's really got some good stuff going where people haven't seen it yet but but you know that it's gonna it's gonna lead to success right so I'm sure that these guys have been catching him in spring going man dude his his fastball's back his slider's back he's there's all these different things that are back and so now opening day he puts it together has a great start and you can say dude this he's gonna have a great year you can say that I also have had times where you go out there and the guy doesn't have a great game and you're like oh crap dude that wasn't that wasn't good maybe I didn't use him well I, I don't know if if you get to ever to the point where you go like, hey, is this going to be a good or a bad year based off of one start? Because it's tough to tell. This game, you've seen it. This game, I mean, you, you make one adjustment, all of a sudden you don't look back and you're the best pitcher in the league. So, but if we, let's say we could get Danny Jansen here and we could tie him up to a truth, a lie detector test and say like, who's going to have a good year based on what you've seen in spring do you think he would be pretty accurate on it? Like, did, as a catcher, do you have that sense going into the year? I mean, yeah, you have an idea. You definitely have an idea of, of what stuff, what what's going to be good and what, what isn't going to be good. But, I mean, at this level, starters are going to – you know that starters are going to have good stuff, right? Like, I was talking to Luke uh, mainly about Matt Shoemaker, and he was like, dude, he's explaining to me his splitty, like how hard it is to catch. Well, if it's a hard pitch to catch – you know that it's going to be a hard pitch to hit, right? So I think that's something uh, that that maybe people don't see, but you know as a catcher what it is. I just think that it's really tough to say yes or no. If he was tied up to stuff and we were recording it, he would definitely send some send some some things off. Uh, he he would be able to. He, I would think that he'd get caught in a lie. But at the end of the day. Um, Listen, you're going to believe that anybody can get anybody out. I've definitely had times, though, where I've been catching. When I was with the Toronto Blue Jays, that there was guys that were pitching that I was going, dude, I got nothing to get this guy out with. I need this this pitcher or this hitter to get himself out because the guy that we're throwing right now has zero. And we're going to not have you name names on that, although I'm sure that we can imagine uh, who some of those pitchers were. I think Danny Jansen also, going back to that, be a pretty good guy at beating a lie detector test, to be honest. He's got that really even keel delivery. I could see him squeaking his way through it if he had the right training. But speaking of uh, Blue Jays rookies and uh, guys that I think are going to have big years, our guest is Trent Thornton. We have the pleasure of talking to someone on the verge of their Major League debut, which is a little bit of a rare thing. And I'll, I'll let JP ask the question because he's the guy who's been there um, in terms of what that exactly feels like because it, it's really a unique experience. Well, I mean, for me, the biggest the, there's a couple questions. We always want to hear the story, how it happened, how the how the conversation was when you found out. Then, you know, who'd you call first? How did it how did it go with you know who you talked to? My I called my mom first. I was crying like a little baby. Um, and then now that you're here, what are your emotions leading up to it? Because I you know obviously I came up, didn't make the team out of camp, and then was already mid season. You're from day one. You got to be opening day, all the different stuff you got to see. So where are you at? with that as well um yeah so i uh i was down in florida actually the rest of the team was in uh, montreal there's a couple starters that were back in uh, dunedin and uh matt bushman the bullpen coach and then the assistant gm uh i was just about ready to go play catch and 
they're like, hey, we need to talk to you in the office. And I'm thinking, oh, man, here it goes. It's either AAA or, you know, hopefully I'm going to make the team. And uh, they sat me down and said, you know, typically these meetings don't go too well, but, uh, you know, this is going to be a first for us. You're going to the show, kid. And I kind of just sat there for like 10 seconds with no emotion, didn't know what to do. I was just like, oh, man, this got real really quick. And, uh, you know, then kind of hit me a little bit and got super excited. And I said, you know, can I, can I go call my parents right now? And stepped out of the room, went outside and uh, called my dad. And uh, as soon as he answered the phone, I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. You know, I started crying. Um, said, Dad, I'm a big leaguer. And, you know, he got pretty emotional, a little, little teary-eyed. And uh, um, we actually, like, three-way called my mom. So I told her, and she's got a really high-pitched laugh. So she's giggling and stuff. So uh, it was it was really, really emotional. But, you know, all the hard work that I've put in my whole entire, you know, life, ever since I was four, is kind of, you know, we're going to see it, see what, what happens on uh, Sunday. And then the emotions, right? Like, leading up to it. For me, you know, I was talking to Rowdy before about some things and it's and at the end of the day my biggest question was am I gonna like swing at the first pitch am I not there's like the little dumb things that we also that we thought of you know don't fall don't this that like all these little things that people would be like wow you're really thinking that because at the end of the day baseball is baseball like it's what we've done but it's the little things that we kind of take into consideration what are your emotions as far as like now again making the start what are what are the things you're going through that you're going through your head well, the first thing for me is I wanted to come up here, you know, join the team and, and then experience my first opening day, kind of get my feet wet a little bit, see how things are up at this level. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't disappoint yesterday. It was awesome for me getting to experience that. And, you know, after about the second, third inning, I'm like, man, this, you know, this is baseball. It's just a game. And it kind of settled down a little bit. And, you know, I know I'm going to be pretty amped up come Sunday but uh you know I'm just I'm ready to throw my first pitch that's what I want to do I want to go with it, go out there and just you know throw my first pitch well and then you t- you touched on something I just want to run back real quick is that when they called you in and I and I've talked to Nick about this uh, as far as when we were going to even plan on going to spring training because I told him hey let's try to get there earlier because later guys are walking around on eggshells because Everybody knows what happens. There's that, that one point that either they, they come and grab you and you know, okay, I'm either going down or, like you said, I'm making it to the big leagues. How awkward is that time every single day? You're almost like looking over your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, there's – it was interesting to say the least because there's a decent amount of guys that were fighting for either a rotation spot or a bullpen spot. And, you know, they didn't make the final decision until, I mean, a little bit before yesterday. Um so, you know, there are some people that are, like you said, walking on eggshells. But, you know, luckily for me, I kind of came out on top on that. But uh, it's – it's you just got to be careful. And take it back to that – the Sunday, like you said, your debut is going to be a special day. What does that day kind of look like for you? Because a lot of starting pitchers are a little bit different. Some guys are like, you know – don't talk to me. I'm just going to put my head down, do my thing. Some guys are, you know, just happy. It's like any other day. I'm sure you're going to have plenty of people that you could in theory be talking to before the game. People can be mingling with. How do you see that playing out for you? Um, for me, I'm kind of one of those guys that puts his head down. Don't really talk to me. I'm, I'll, you know, sit in my locker, stay with my routine. Um, I, I, as soon as I get to the field, I'm kind of locked in a little bit, um, you know, put on some music, watch a movie, but I'm kind of in the zone. I'm not really talking to any other people other than probably the pitching coach and the catcher um so i mean it's i'm gonna treat it like any other start nothing nothing different so 
So we talked about you coming up here and kind of getting the lay of the land from opening day. Opening day is, you know, a little bit different than most of the other games are going to be for a variety of reasons. But this is your chance to kind of take in this park and this city to an extent. So what's kind of your your first impressions of this city and being here now that you're able to sit down and for at least a couple of days before you have to worry about your start, uh, have some time to observe it all? Yeah, it's been awesome so far. Um I got to come up here for FanFest for a week, so I got to see a little bit of the city then. But, um, you know, it, it's such a beautiful city. Everybody's super friendly. Um, you know, it even made the transition from being traded from the Astros to the Blue Jays that much easier. Um, you know, guys on the team are awesome. Coaches are awesome. Staff is, you know, same thing. Um, it, I've kind of walked around, you know, early in the morning, um, you know, just kind of seeing, you know, where good places to eat are, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been fun so far. One thing that I think Blue Jays fans are realizing is that a lot of, you know, the less hardcore fans, they don't really pay attention and then opening day comes and they tune back in and they don't know this team very well. And that's part of what happens when you have a team that's going a lot of young guys. It's kind of a natural part of the process. So what would you say about what fans who haven't really seen you pitch expect? I know there's going to be your... uh, your action is a little bit different. I think that's going to stand out to people right away, just the way you literally pitch. But what do you think? I guess what would you give as the the basic scouting report for people who are going to be seeing you for the first time? Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on that a little bit. Um, I have quite the uh, unorthodox delivery, um, high leg kick. Uh, you know, my arm looks like a noodle back there, kind of just flapping around. Got a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, I wear the glasses and stuff. But uh you know, just someone out there that's ready to compete and ready to help the team win. And, um, you know, I throw five different pitches, so coming at them with a lot of different things. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. What are those five pitches? Because that's pretty impressive, five pitches. Uh, fastball, cutter, curveball, slider, and changeup. That's pretty above average. And then <laughs> with the, with the, the leg kick, because that's something, I mean, that's, that is unique, right? Like, is the leg kick something that you saw somebody or the, and then you started – using that high leg kick or was as a kid you just did it and then then it's got you all the way to the big leagues and then on the glasses is that is that something that isn't also a little you go into like a different mode because you put the glasses on because you don't you don't have them on now obviously um yeah so as far as my mechanics and everything um you know i was always fascinated with with you know nolan ryan dontrell willis guys like that that you know had little herky-jerky motion um and so i just kind of picked it up when i was younger and it worked for me, helped me with my rhythm and timing. And um, actually, when I was in, in high A, when I was with the Astros, I was playing in Lancaster, California, and it's super, super windy there. And there were a couple times where I would get blown off the mound and I'd like fall. So I tried to like tone down my leg kick to where it was almost normal. You're and safe it, in the dome. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of messed up everything. So I went back to it. And, you know, since then, I've stuck with it. Uh, but for the glasses, um, when I was a double A, I crossed up the catcher really bad and I, I concussed him because um, I couldn't see the signs at night. Squared him with the fastball, you know, right in, right in the head. Um, and so I tried contacts, but it was so windy, my eyes would get super dry. So I went to glasses and they've kind of worked for me. And like you said, kind of once those are on, it's, it's time to play. Would you ever consider going to the smoke? You know how there's the clear ones, but then there's a the smoke where you can't see the eyes. And for me as a hitter, I feel like looking at the pitcher with that stuff, because Brandon League, blast of the past, used to wear those. And, dude, I used to be like, this is freaky, dude. He was the closer for the Seattle Mariners. Like, I'm like, 
facing him going, this is weird, dude. I can't see this guy's eyes. Yeah, I've never even thought about it, but that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I might give it a try. You and, you and Jansen could be the only goggle-to-goggle connection in the big leagues. I can't think of another one where you got the pitcher and the catcher both like to wear that. No, I, 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 I honestly don't. We also, in this podcast, we like to talk about different things, right? And so one of them is facial hair. We always talk about facial hair. And obviously, you got the little patch under the <laughs> under. But looking at your face, our listeners obviously can't can't see it, but they will. Is is you don't have a lot of facial hair, but you got this like little patch going here. What's the, what's the the story behind that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a hairy guy at all. I uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the only thing I can grow. I can try to attempt to grow a mustache and. You know, if I if I really try hard, I can get some chops, and it just kind of stops right about here. Um, it's just kind of I've always since I could kind of grow it, try my best to grow it out, and it, it'll kind of split out and look. <laughs> it it doesn't look good at all though. So you know, I'll, it's I'll wear it. A, it's one you got to be careful with because if you let it really go, you get that nasty martial arts look with the wispy soul patch. It's not. It's not. You're keeping it tight though. It's, oh, it's where well, it needs I've, to be. I've grown it out to where I could take it and touch the tip of my nose with it and that's tough it's it's, it's, it's not a good look. Hey, smoke goggles with that thing that long dude that's scary to me as a, if i'm hitting i'm already not only do you have five pitches that i have to worry about and you throw hard now i'm going this guy's got issues he's got a high leg kick he's got a, a little patch that's almost three inches long this is weird he's got no other hair on his face and he's got smoke goggles. Give me an over four, dude. Hey, I'll take it. Speaking of those five pitches, a lot of a lot of guys have really different attitudes when it comes to game calling. Whether it's the Mark Burley we had here, like the straight up, don't ever wave off your catcher, or some guys are pretty particular about what they want to throw in account. You've got a lot of weapons to work with on Sunday, and kind of obviously going forward. Do you see yourself? kind of letting the catcher largely take you for a ride or are you a guy who likes to kind of put his imprint on the game calling well the the lucky thing for me is um you know males and uh jano both caught me a couple different times spring training and we've been on the same page every every time out like they kind of know what i like to throw so you know i'm gonna let them be in the driver's seat for the most part you know at the end of the day if i'm uncomfortable throwing a pitch i won't throw it but um you know i trust what what they put down back there so I'm, i'm excited to see what happens for me, uh, again, I, I like baseball a lot, but I also like knowing about the guys. And are you a guy that's a fisherman, hunter, or you not into fishing and hunting? Like, what do you do? What does Trent do for fun on his own time? Like, what do you like to do as a person that would let people know what kind of, you know, what you're into? Um, I I do love to fish. I don't get to as much as I'd like to. Because um, you're I, in the show. So, sorry. <laughs> um, but... I've been duck hunting a few times. I actually bought a rifle um, this off season, so I haven't yet to use it, like gone deer hunting or anything. But you know, I, I definitely like to. Um, but I love golfing. I golf a lot. Uh, I golf as much as I can during the off season. You know, I live live in Charlotte, so the weather's pretty good for the most uh, for the most part. But um, I uh, I dabble with the harmonica a little bit. What? So uh, yeah, I actually I played in front of the guys in spring training uh, a couple different songs. Played uh, "Piano Man" by Billy Joel, "Ain't No Sunshine," uh, "Low Rider." So uh, yeah, they they made me go out and, and get a harmonica to you know, prove how, my skills. How did that happen? Did you let them know that you knew, or someone found out and was like, "Listen, we yeah, got to hear like, how, how does this that conversation start?" Transpire. Um, well, actually, I had to do it 
in uh, big league camp last year with the Astros and Giles was asking me about it and then he was like hey man you better do it again do a better job this time so I I went out and actually bought three different harmonicas because I brought bought the wrong one the first time um, and then I just I just kind of picked it up I uh, you know it's, they're small easy to travel with and I just watched YouTube videos and you know practice as much as I could and, you know I'm pretty decent I mean I, I can play you know probably five six songs pretty well um, you know still learning it's all about the breath and on a 20 to 80 where is the harmonica now and where do you think your harmonica ceiling is because there's only so great that we can be as musicians that some of it's going to be talent i'd say i'd say realistically probably around a 45 to 50 i mean there's definitely a lot of room for improvement but the, the couple songs that i do know i'm pretty pretty solid at getting there at least Oh, that's forty-five fifty is going to get you to the bigs. <laughs> yeah. So now you're now you're a big leaguer, actual big leaguer, and then we're going to have to get this harmonica. Can I want to make sure that I at, at some point, and this is documented, will you do a harmonica playing session for us that we can video? Absolutely. Yeah. I actually have uh, two of my harmonicas up here with me. Um, they're in they're in my room. But do you tra- do you have a harmonic or uh, harmonica? like travel do you have a hard case that that are is because that's if it gets messed up right the yeah, sounds no, are no, different. They, I, I have cases for them um they have little little cleaner wipes and everything so i take good care of them so would you would you ever now that you're in the show go to a louis vuitton or like a name brand harmonica <laughs> case because i know that's like the cool thing that people do they get to the big leagues all of a sudden you see all these these name brand stuff are you going to go usually not harmonicas to be honest like name brand yes harmonica cases maybe not well i mean but you can make it would you are you going to go fancy and just really take care of them or are you just for now for for now i'll probably just stick with the one that i have you know hopefully i can be up here as long as possible so uh you know maybe maybe five a ten year career i'll get something pretty cool what about what about food what is trent what's what's the favorite food for trent i'm probably the least picky eater ever there's about three foods i don't like olives i'm with you tofu Gross. the texture of tofu oh, ugh, yeah i throw up thinking about it um and like cheese curds i don't know why but cheese curds that's yeah. a problem in canada though so then but the here's the, yeah but here's the thing though right you don't you're not picky so then what's the na- what's the craziest thing you've you've eaten because then if you're not picky then that means that you're gonna try stuff i'm picky so that means that i don't like to try anything that's weird um i don't know i yeah you that's a good question. I'm, I'm trying to think. You know, I've, I've had a lot of different things, but I wouldn't say anything's, like, super exotic. Like, I mean. What like, would be the craziest to just the average person that you've that you've tried or you've eaten? Um, like, I've bit into a fish that I've caught before. Like, <laughs> I mean, still alive. Just animal style. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't say it tasted very good at all, um, but I, I swallowed it. It was, was, more, it was more of a bet. A, yeah, it was yeah, a bet. Okay. Um, like, okay. My uncle... Uh, sells boats and we were out deep sea fishing one time and we were catching some bait fish and uh he was like hey you won't take a bite out of that fish all right and just went it was uh it was not good i wouldn't recommend that to anybody i i honestly can't think of a better way to end the interview and just a vivid description of eating a living fish so i think we're gonna we're gonna end it there trent good luck on your debut on sunday uh, we look forward to you taking our advice and going with the nice smoked goggles <laughs> and just creating a persona for yourself. Thank you for having me. Coming back from our interview with Trent Thornton, this is something I wanted to address in our opening day special. 
uh, you know, live events don't always go the way you plan. And we ran a little bit long, but I'm glad we get to talk about it because it's one of my favorite things to do. And we did it last year as well. Let's talk about ballpark food, the stunt food they sometimes call it. Everyone's got their own. And the first, I mean, we'll talk about the Blue Jays stuff first, just because that's the stuff you guys are probably going to get your hands on. Funnel cake poutine is coming. That's uh, you got kind of a churro fry thing and Dude, ice cream. Wow, it's it uh, looks good. I always I do worry. I don't know. It depends how you feel about that, like ice cream and pie and ice cream and cake thing. Personally, I generally don't mix them. I find the melted ice cream mix, miss, messes with the texture for me. Uh, I'm I'm against anything in the sense of a negative connotation about that dessert. It looks it looks unbelievable. Funnel cakes, I'm a huge fan of. Ice cream, huge fan of. And I think I'm very thankful that they don't put the calories on these things because it looks unbelievable, but I imagine that it is not the healthiest thing to eat. I think when you're marketing these, you like to use uh, terms like a rich. It's a rich dessert. All right, number two. This one is one I'd probably uh, I'd probably go for this one. Log cabin tater tots. So you got tater tots, maple beans. That's huge for me. I like the maple instead of the traditional tomato baked beans. I know it's very Canadian of me. My British side uh, would prefer the tomato, but I love the maple beans. Bacon, pulled pork, cheese, all over kind of a bed of tater tots. Dude, it it that's the one I even tweeted about it because it looked as soon as I saw it, I was like, sign me up. Tater tots again. I I think that they did a good job of, of putting the certain things. You could have just put nachos or this or that. I think the tater tots is what sends it over the top for me. I'm not with you on the bake the the beans. I can do without the beans. I'm not a big beans guy uh, for whatever reason. But again, I think if there's any kind of day that you want to have a cheat day at, you know, I say like I say that because I try to eat healthy. I mean, and not everybody eats healthy. But it would be a fun cheat day to walk around and have a couple of the of the meals that they have available. One thing I like is they, they didn't call it a poutine. It's kind of a poutine-like premise, but there are a lot of traditionalists out there who, who don't want to hear that. So they took ideas from poutine and they built another dish around it. So next up for Blue Day's last one is the 32-ingredient salad. Are you going to eat a 32-ingredient salad? Uh, I do not want to eat the 32-ingredient salad because I think that that is... I just think it's it's foo-foo. Like, why? 32 ingredients means it's not healthy, and it's a salad. So if I'm eating a salad, I don't want it to be unhealthy. Or, I want, yeah, I don't want it to be unhealthy. See, that's the fun part about doing a podcast. Podcast. It's a podcast. See, we get to do podcasts. You guys don't see it, but Justin Smoke walking by, talking smack to me. He's just, you know, his... That's what he does, right? These guys just come and wear me out, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it. Hey, Kevin Pilar coming by. <laughs> there you by, go. We see? got tons of guests. Trent Thorne's not our only guest today. Yes. Everyone's coming by. Guys walking by. Making cameos. Yeah, I'm a hard no on the 32-ingredient salad. Like, at a certain point, like, what's the extra ingredient adding? Like, is ingredient 32 going to be one that you taste? Like, ingredient 31? I don't think so. Yeah, just keep all the ingredients out, dude. Keep- if I, I, I want, if I'm going to eat unhealthy, I want the poutine and the other keep stuff. Keep it simple. So... We also have to be honest out here. I think the States tends to do the crazy stun food a little bit better than we do in Canada. So I run down a few of the other ones. I think the most famous one you're going to see this year is the Texas Rangers. It's called a foul pole, which is a horrible pun. F-O-W-L, foul. 
two pound chicken finger, fries, two sauces on it. That's a lot. I think two pounds is a lot. Yeah, no, I'm not in on I'm not in on the the big chicken tender. I just think I just think that that's that's too much, man. Like, and for me, where I get scared that's a of day is, ender. You eat you, that and you just oh yeah. But here's asleep. here's my thing though is how do you get like you're you're completely messing with the what you're eating is not real chicken. I think at some point because it, to make it, it to that to that length and that I, I just. I it's not it. the finest meat. It's not a free-range, organic. Yeah, dude, fresh I just, I just don't. That it, oh, dude, I, I'd rather a corn dog that size than a, than a chicken tender that size. I think I would give it a shot, but under the, it's got to be near the end of the game. Like, you got to really plan your day around it because it can ruin you. Okay, so we got the twins here. They've got, I don't even know what they're calling this. It's two chicken fingers and a slab of bacon in an ice cream cone with maple syrup does not make any sense to me. What is the ice cream cone going to add? Like, if it's just on a plate, it'd be the same thing. Ice cream cones don't really taste that good unless they're like a waffle cone. You're not going to want that with chicken fingers. I'm not, I'm not in on that. Yeah, no, I'm not a big, I'm not a big uh, person either as far as in a, in a cone. I don't, I don't need it in a cone. Like, if I'm having chicken tenders, I want to have a chicken tender, and I want to be able to grab it with my finger and eat the, just the chicken tenders. I don't need Someone thought that would look good on Instagram, and they cooked it up, but I don't, I don't see the advantage. And then they've not got having it. peanut butter and bacon sandwich. I think that's actually a classic for some people. Some people like to mess with the bacon. Peanut butter and bacon? Peanut is butter and bacon. Or the bacon. Uh, no, not the bacon. The peanut butter on a burger. You've seen that? I think I think it's just because the, the saltiness of it kind of goes. But I just, uh, I'm not. Peanut butter and bacon, don't don't want it. All right, we'll head to the Braves. Georgia, that's a good that's a good state for this kind of stuff. Chicken and waffle boat, mango habanero chicken, waffle boat drizzled with honey and topped with toasted pecans. It's a lot of sweet stuff. Yeah, um, and I'm not. But on, a little sweet and spicy, the habanero. Yeah, and the but sweet. I'm not with the mango though. Mango and the chicken and waffle doesn't for me doesn't go together. I think that it's admirable. They're trying something a little different. I like the sweet and spicy, but. The pecans, I don't see them being necessary. Are they pecans or pecans? Oh. Is, uh, is this like a Canadian-American distinction? I don't I don't actually know where I came up with pecans. Maybe it's, uh, again, my British side. Yeah, honey, honey. it seems like you already have the mango habanero. You probably don't need They're probably overdoing it, but I like the idea. St. Louis, they got a mega slice. This is simple. 16-inch slice of pizza. It's a single slice. Why don't you just get two or three slices that you can actually hold? Like, it, this is going to be so awkward yeah, to eat Yeah, it's it. going to be awkward, but I'm a pizza guy, so the bigger the slice, I'm, I'm 100% in. I can, you can never go wrong with pizza. I don't know. It, seem, it seems one of those ones, again, people will want the picture of it, but if we're talking about getting serious and just eating pizza, just eat multiple slices, man. All right. Okay, so the Tigers are doing a few dogs. Got the Al Pastor dog, the Balmy dog, and the Coney egg roll dog. So they're trying to bring in other cultures into the traditional ballpark hot dog. I like that as a premise, but the hot dog itself needs to be good. Because if you've got like shitty hot dog meat and then you've got kind of a Vietnamese style on it, I just see the mingling not going great. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't like it at all. I actually am just, give me a good ballpark frank like i want a good hot dog ketchup mustard relish i don't want the other crap okay we got cardinals again this one it's not i wouldn't say it's a classic but i think pretzels are sort of a known ballpark food they got twisted top pretzels so you got a long cooked pretzels one of them's pepperoni and cheese so that's kind of like a pizza the other's bacon and cheese 
I mean, that's better than pepperoni in my book. And the other one's buffalo chicken. Like, uh, I'm middle, I like think, six I and a half think, out of I ten, think, like middle of the road yeah, on that Yeah, I one. just think I just think that they're they're trying to stuff that stuff that's simple. Just keep it simple. There's things that you can mix up that just keep it simple. It's it feels unnecessary. Okay, Brewers again. We we're talking about Wisconsin. This is a dairy capital. I know you talked to Rowdy Telez earlier about cheese coming yeah, out of Northern loves, California. Yeah, I don't know about that. Wisconsin is really where the cheese is at. Yeah, that's States. why they're the cheese heads. But we'll let Rowdy think that. Rowdy Rowdy can believe what he needs to yeah. believe to sleep at night. Anyway, it's called the Wisconsin Ultimate Cheese Fry. Twister fries, fried cheese curds, cheese sauce, drizzle over and bacon. So it's kind of like uh, a poutine, but you replace the gravy with more cheese sauce. That that's, that's too heavy. much cheese. It's yeah, too, too much, much cheese. cheese for me. I get I'm, it. I'm off of it. The theme, I get it. Like you want to be Wisconsin, you want yeah. to represent that yeah, cheese, yeah, but, still, but like it's, too much. That's gonna be a no for me. And then they've got a Bernie Liège. I don't really know what they mean by that. Belgian waffle. I'm not a sweet to the ballpark guy. Like maybe an ice cream when it's hot, yeah. but I just don't imagine myself sitting down to a waffle. Yeah, I'm not a not a big fan of that. Not a big fan of that uh, as well. I think that you said ice cream is good. There's some sweets that are good, but that's not it. So we got White Sox now. We know Chicago's got great food, but it's the pizza that comes to mind, the deep dish. They're going with a Polish platter. You got a kielbasa sausage. I like that. Three pierogies, sauerkraut, caramelized onions with a homemade mustard sauce. That sounds kind of like a hearty meal someone would make. Actually, it sounds like yeah. a proper meal. See, I'm in on that because that's because again, I think sometimes you go too extreme and then it's just like oh, it's like too much stuff, right? That for me is something that's simple enough that I can envision it and go like, wow, this is actually going to work. Yeah, and I've I've traveled quite a bit. That's something I'm really passionate about. And I have to say, one of my favorite places to eat I've been is Poland because you get a lot of this like hearty, simple food that costs nothing and it's delicious every time. So that would give me some of that nostalgia, might uh, make me reach for it. I think it, it looks pretty solid. Uh, we got Cincinnati here. So they're famous for the Skyline Chili. I'm sure they have that there. That looks disgusting to me personally. It, I don't I've like never, all that cheese Never on mess either, with that. Yeah. They've got bulgogi beef egg rolls, so you're combining kind of a Chinese and a Korean thing in one. I could see it. This one annoys me. They're calling it the Cincinnati Hot Chickens. That's a, a fried spicy chicken sandwich. It's just Nashville yeah, hot chicken. Nashville, They're putting yeah. their name on it. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a little copyright infringement. Yeah, Definitely do not something. steal. Like but, I, but hold on though. But the first part though, bulgogi. I'm a huge fan of bulgogi, and so I think that'll that's something I would 100% eat. Yeah, I think the Korean food gets slept on a lot with it's Chinese great. and Japanese. Really, really good stuff, and bulgogi is right up there. Uh, we got a couple more. The Cleveland Indians, short rib poutine. I don't know. I think short ribs hit or miss. That's a type can of... They, can they claim poutine as well, being uh, in Cleveland? Eh. Like, I think short ribs are a type of meat you want to get somewhere where you really trust the meat, yeah. and the ballpark is not that place for me. And then they've got another one. Like, it's a spicy fried chicken sandwich with waffle fries. Call them the fat rooster. I think they're just putting a name on something that everyone's got. Yeah. So I'm not impressed. Last up on our list of ballpark stunt foods, the Sports Illustrated cover dog in Arizona. Weird brand synergy there with Sports Illustrated. I don't really know the origin of that. Uh, but we'll put that aside. you got a 16-inch bratwurst. So you're talking about a serious sausage here. Jalapeno apple slaw. I'm intrigued. Sweet and spicy. All right. Fried mac and cheese on it. I'm, I'm good I, with that. Yeah, I like the fried mac and cheese. Barbecue aioli. Sure. 
House cured beer pickles. I don't think I've ever heard the phrase beer pickles before, but I mean, I why like not? pickles. So okay. And then some green onions. So everything here, I like every ingredient of it this. It sounds good. It does sound good. It's but 18, big. 18, 18 inches, inches is, is a lot. A and, hard attack. And it's a brat, too. It's not a hot dog. Like yeah. This is going to be a thick sausage, thick with two C's. Welcome, it's going to be huge. Welcome artery clog. Yeah, I I think maybe you split that with a friend. Yes, that, could, or, uh, or a couple. Or, yeah, a couple can do it. All right, so there's our rundown of the stunt food you'll find around ballparks. One of my favorite things to talk about whenever I'm traveling to a different ballpark, I always like to see what's the crazy. I don't always get it because as we discussed with some of these, sometimes they look kind of nasty, but I always like to see what they've got. So we're going to finish today's episode the way we always do in Season 2 or Season 1.5, whatever you want to call it. I think we're in Season 2 now. The season has started. Let's say we've been renewed. This is Season 2. We're going to do Would You Rathers. I wanted to do a couple at opening day special. We only got one of them, so I got two more. This one is particularly gross. I'm very, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say proud of myself for writing it. It's pretty disturbing, though. Would you rather every smell you smelled in your entire life was burning hair? I don't know if you ever did that, like when you were a kid in high school with the chemistry yeah, sets, like singed good, people. Yeah, bad smell. Absolutely awful. Or everything you taste tastes like rotting fish, oh, like bad hair, fish. I hate. I don't even eat fish regularly, so that's easy for me. I would You're much rather have the suffer smell the smell. Hair. Yeah, because I can't. I can't. I despise eating fish. Not doing it. Which is funny for someone who comes to Miami. I'm gonna go the other way. I think. I think I've gone the other way from you on literally every one of these so far. Here's the reason why. You have to smell all the time. Every moment of your life, you have to smell stuff. Whereas You can eating, breathe through your mouth, though. I don't know. People are going to think you're a Neanderthal if you're always huffing through care, your mouth. I can still breathe through my mouth. I, I don't know. It's going to creep in there at some point. Whereas you can eat on a more... You would, I would just make food a much smaller part of my life. I'd actually eat really healthy because everything tastes horrible. So you, I would eat the healthiest, thing, healthiest possible things. I'd live to be like 120. I'd only eat one meal a day or whatever. And then I wouldn't have to live with that horrible burning hair smell. I get where you're coming from. I think that both answers are valid, but I'll give me the rotting fish. Okay, the final would you rather of the day. This one I did not write myself. This one I found, but it really spoke to me. Would you rather your sheets were made of American cheese? So we're going to say craft singles for uh, the Canadi our Canadian viewership. Or all your floors were made of ground beef. Would I? Oh, man. They're both horrific. Both options are horrible. Ground beef. I have to go ground with ground beef. Ground beef floors. Yeah, I just, uh, it's, 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 that's a lose-lose situation. Well, but I mean, that's how all these questions are. I mean, it's, all lose-lose. It's, lose. it's, I guess I like, I like ground beef, actually. So <laughs> I just. Not I, under your feet. Yeah, but I mean, I just, just because it's something that I enjoy to eat. So I might as well enjoy, like, walking on it. <laughs> I, I have to agree with you there. I just think that wow, we've agreed. That's if nice. you if you're sleeping, it's a hot night. You're sweating. The cheese is melting in. I you know I mean people who know me know that uh, you know I am a guy with a lot of hair, and if it, that cheese is melting into my hair and getting it's yeah, just no, no it's gonna you. be a huge problem. I think you could maybe with those soft floors of ground beef do some gymnastics, some somersaults. You yeah, I don't know. You could find some advantage. It would probably be. 
pretty gross most of the time. But the sheets, I just I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, no, it, that's that's a no go for me. That's not even that one wasn't even a close one. All right, that's all for us from Rogers Center from our beautiful first row perch from this episode of Digging Up JPR and Sebia. We appreciate you listening. Encourage you guys leave a rating, continue to subscribe. Wow, iTunes the taxi song going too, by the way. <laughs> great song. Great, great tune iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your stuff, subscribe, rate, listen, uh, and we'll be here all season, every week. See ya. See ya.